And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. If you're listening to my show, you're looking for tips on how to work smarter, not harder. And let's be real, you're already working hard to earn your money, but how do you make sure that your money is working hard for you? Here's how. With a Betterment Automated Investment and Savings app, your money will go to work. They've got technology that will provide you with advanced tools, and they're built to help maximize your returns, not to mention your time. They have expert-built portfolios of low-cost exchange-traded funds. You know I love those exchange-traded funds. There's automated investing technology, and as part of that, automated rebalancing. Many of you have been asking about rebalancing, and it sort of feels like a hard thing to do on your own. With Betterment, easy peasy. They do it for you. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk, Performance is not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. With Fidelity Wealth Management, a dedicated advisor can work with you on a comprehensive plan to help you reach your wealth's full potential. Plus, you'll have access to specialists in estate planning strategies. So you're not just growing and protecting your wealth, you're sharing it. More at fidelity.com slash wealth. Investment minimums apply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Welcome to the Jill on Money Show. It is Sunday, November 13th. And today we are airing the second part of our interview with best-selling author Annie Duke. Her new book is so good. It's called Quit. The Power of Knowing When to Walk Away. I think that what's uh, really important, we talked about this yesterday, is why it is so hard to walk away because part of that has to do with you don't know how things are going to turn out. And so we're going to continue our conversation about why quitting gets a bad rap in society. Here is part two of our interview with Annie Duke. You know, it's amazing to me. You have a line um, in the book and I highlighted it. It's early on, but it really jumped out at me. And you write, the desire for certainty is the siren song calling us to persevere. And I remember this because when I was researching my my first book, I remember talking to like a neuropsychologist who explained to me that uncertainty like literally fries people's brains. Like it is insane what humans have to, how they manage uncertainty. So it's almost like this idea, like the certainty that I know this is terrible, but the uncertainty is like, it could be terrible. It could be good. It's still uncertainty. How can we help people cross over in advance, like before things get horrible, like what can be our turnaround rule that we could establish? And I know you talk a lot about some startups that are cool and, you know, that's about money, right? Or even trading, like I've used stop loss orders when I was a trader and that's easy, but like, is the way to really think about this to in advance, bring up some turnaround rules in life? Yeah. So it's very much that to think about turnaround time. So quitting is really hard. It's really hard for us. When we have to face that decision down, that's the moment where you're saying, I can't give up the cause. It's the moment where we feel like we failed. And that moment is really hard for us. As Daniel Kahneman says, it's just really hard to make a decision when you're in it. For example, with the stocks, right? Like once you've taken the losses, it's harder for you to be rational about what you're supposed to do because you've already carried the losses. You've already put the time and attention, all the training, gone to Harvard, 
you know, done your residency, been through all of that torture as you're facing the decision to walk away. And that's actually quite hard. So what we want to do is get ourselves out of it. If we know we're not going to be good when we're in it, we want to get ourselves out of it. And the way that we do that is with advanced planning. And it doesn't matter whether you're thinking about something that's sort of objective, like money, or something that just has to do with what you value. We can generally call that happiness or fulfillment, right? Those are the things that we're trying to achieve, whatever that is. And what we want to imagine is what are the signals that we might see at some point in the future that would tell us that this is not the right path for us? And now what you could do is try to construct the signals that would tell you that you would walk away. So I did this, for example, with a group of sellers where I said, imagine you were pursuing a sales lead uh, and it's six months later and you have lost the deal. Looking back, you realize there were early signals that the deal was not going to go your way. What were they? And so they generate these, right? So they're not in the middle of a deal. They're not thinking about giving up a deal right then. I'm asking them in the abstract. And they say things like, in the first meeting, the prospect only wanted to talk about price. And in retrospect, that may seem so obvious, but in real time, you're so hopeful. You're a salesperson. Salespeople are so hopeful and optimistic, right? That's exactly right. And, and you know, one of the things is they said is that they found out that they had a competitor installed. So this was a software company. And what's interesting is even though they could recognize that in the abstract, in the moment, they'd be like, but I know I can win the deal. Not only that, but leadership is also exacerbating that problem because leadership is managing toward the outcome of closing the deal, not toward the outcome of qualifying out early, which should be just as desirable, right? Like the earlier you can figure out, like, I'm never going to get an executive in the room and they're only asking about price or they have a competitor installed, the better off for the whole team because you're spending your time on the things that matter, right? The leads that are going to get you to where you want to go and you're qualifying out the other ones really early. So we created this whole set of kill criteria, which are essentially turnaround times, which is, you know, if you see that they have a competitor installed or that you can't get a decision maker in the room, or they're only talking about price, uh, that that is a really adverse signal and you need to talk about qualifying them out when you see that. And this really created great things for the whole team because not only were the sellers now thinking about that, but on deal review, leadership was going through the kill criteria to see if, if, if the sellers were sticking beyond the point that they ought to, which now allowed leadership to manage not just toward the outcome of closing a deal, but also toward the outcome of qualifying out early. And we can do that in our personal lives. When you have that moment where you feel like, oh, I seem to be really unhappy in this job. You can just say to yourself, well, how long am I okay with the situation as is? Right, so let's make say, it time bound, right? Right, and you always want to make a deadline because otherwise I'm sure, Jill, you've seen like people complaining about a relationship and it just rinses and repeats. Oh no, never. Right? <laughs> Not even myself. Oops, maybe. Oops, maybe. So <laughs> you want to set some sort of deadline, right? Uh, so the best kill criteria are going to include a deadline of some sort. And, and by the way, that deadline could be like when you mentioned a stop loss, the deadline could be I've lost $10 in the stock or whatever, right? Like, so that's a form of a deadline. So we want to have a deadline. So maybe in the case where you're unhappy in a job, you say, I can, I'm, I'm okay with the status quo for another three months. And then say, okay, if I imagine it's three months from now, what are the signals that I would see that would tell me that things haven't changed, that it hasn't gotten better and I ought to leave and write that list down. And what are the things that I could see that would tell me that things have improved? And then you can write that down. And then you can do a separate thing, which is like, what would I need to do to get me to the improvement? So maybe you have a boss that you feel isn't giving you any respect or giving you um, extra responsibility. You could go sit down and have a conversation with them. And then just write that stuff down. And then in three months, go back and look at your list 
And it just turns out that doing that advanced work is going to get you to be much more likely to pay attention to those signals when they come across your path and be more rational about whether you should walk away or whether you should stick. All right. Before we let you go, we have to talk about the difference between being nice and being kind. And I'd like to, I'm guessing, you know, just from this conversation with you, that part of the reason that people would like to contact me and get validation about some of their choices from someone like me is that I'm not mean. I don't sugarcoat it. Like, I really don't. Like, I will say, like, I don't think you can quit your job. Like you have a family right now. You can prepare to figure out how to do this. And like, it may be nice to think like you could just like call it quits, but like you have mouths to feed. Can't do it with this way. There are other ways that you're going to have to think about doing something like to make this big change. I love this quote. This is Daniel Kahneman. What everybody needs is the friend who really loves them, but does not care much about hurt feelings in the moment. Can you explain that? Yeah. So look, it's really hard when you see someone failing, who's a friend of yours to say, hey, listen, you're really failing at this. You should quit. Because, you know, you get very worried about hurting their feelings because we have the tendency as friends to want to cheerlead people. Meanwhile, of course, you can see pretty clearly that they're failing. Why? Because you're not in it, right? I mean, that's the other thing. Like when I'm in something, like I'm in a job that's failing or I'm in a relationship that's not going well, or I'm, I'm developing a product that, you know, where I can't find product market fit or whatever, you, Jill, can see pretty clearly what's going on. That's why people call you, right? Because you're not in it with them. So, so you can see it more objectively and we can see it in other people more objectively. But when those people can see what's happening to us objectively, they don't want to speak up for fear that they're not cheerleading us, for fear that they might hurt our feelings. And that's what Kahneman is saying is that, You have to think about the person's long-term best interest rather than hurt feelings in the moment. And if you think about their long-term best interest, it's obviously not good for them to stay in a crappy job. It's not good for them to complete, you know, continue to uh, develop a product where they can't find product market fit and people aren't going to buy the product. It's a waste of their time. Life is honestly too short to stay in things that aren't working. And if you can set up the parameters ahead of time and you can hold yourself accountable, or if you have a friend who loves you but doesn't worry about hurting your feelings, who can say, like, you have been complaining about this relationship or this job or this this for this long, like, let's get something on paper and start to hold your feet to the fire. Right. That, that's that, exactly right. But the, the thing that we need to realize is that that's partly on us because we need to give those people permission. I need to say, Jill, I'm giving you permission to speak freely. I want to know what you really think. Don't worry about hurting my feelings in the moment. So you have to be willing to both say it to the person. In other words, be willing to say, hey, I think this isn't working. But also as the person seeking advice, we have to be willing to give permission to those people to tell us not just what we want to hear, but what we need to hear. You know, I think what is like, as I come away from reading this book and talking to you again, is that I love the way that there is a sort of a, a scientific or behavioral economics basis to this. There's even probability thrown in. There is decision making. And then there's real life. And what you're really doing in this book that is resonant to me and I think to our listeners is this idea of bringing those two worlds together to get people into a better place, in a better place. That's all you're really trying to do is like, let me give you permission to quit. Let me figure out ahead of time how I'm going to make you less miserable about this thing or being able to take advantage of an opportunity. I mean, listen, if I had only made a decision about my career that was based on money, 
there's no way I am where I am. There's no way I would have stayed as a money manager. I would have been completely miserable. I would have made a lot more money. And I would have really, I think, been stuck because there would have been a point where it would be like, I can't walk away. I already have this many years. I mean, I did 14 years in it anyway. And that was probably five years too long. For me, it was one of those, I had a little bit of a forced event that allowed me to do it. But I kind of also knew in the background, like, I'm not happy doing this. Like, I need to do something else. I really need to do something else. So I am so grateful that you wrote this book. I am going to now make quit as one of my metrics. Like, okay, let's make it a happy and positive thing. Quitting is a good thing. Quitting should be the virtue. Okay, that's it. That is our interview with Annie Duke. We don't do so many authors anymore, but I do love Annie. She's so great and she's so smart. So you should check out her new book. And if you are wondering whether or not you should walk away from something, maybe it's a business, maybe it's a job, why don't you give us a holler? Maybe you can afford to do so. Maybe it's time to do something different. Maybe it's time to shake up your life. Go to JillOnMoney.com, click the Contact Us button. Let us know if you'd be willing to come on the air. Don't forget to sign up for the free weekly newsletter. Put your hands metaphorically on someone's back today. Grit, growth, grace. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.